Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. Good morning, Lucy. Great to be back on with you. It's just one-on-one today, a little different than the last uh, few it times. It is. Yeah, fantastic. Let's talk about the central thesis for today. Best described as markets are not monoliths. And so we're looking at various potential return outcomes, possibilities, and narratives that can take hold. And we're comparing them to long-term tried and tested patterns. And, and that's what you do. And I got a note from an investment manager and I thought that they put it best. They said, what's the intellectual commitment that you need to have in order to think about markets broadly? And they said, the, the, it's asking what is true. And I really like that. So what is true? So you got to look for these truths. And the problem with looking for these truths in the market is often they're inconvenient. So they don't kind of align perfectly to what we'd like to believe or what we think we're seeing or what we heard from our neighbor. They're often from sources we don't like. But sometimes those people bear the truths that bear paying attention to. And sometimes we need to pivot. We need to change what we thought. We need to acknowledge that we've made a mistake. And we also need to acknowledge that we've got limitations to how much we can possibly know or execute on. So all of that as the backdrop, what I want to be clear about is one thing, in my view, we're not in a bear market neither technically nor actually. That doesn't mean the markets might not go up and down, but we're not in a bear market. And that might be an inconvenient truth for many people. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Good morning. Thank you, Gavin, for that wonderful intro and for all our listeners. Welcome back to tomorrow's news. This week, I think the biggest news is the January US CPI numbers coming out. For those of you who missed it, it rose 0.5%, the fastest pace it has been in the last three months. So let's chat more about CPI, Gavin. CPI was funny this week, right? Because you saw the immediate reaction market went down, then the market went back up, and it's rallied pretty much rallied since, although it's falling mm-hmm. off again here today. So we're we're sort of flattish. But there was something for everybody. If you were a bear, you continue to see inflation. You see inflation in services, which is another way of saying wages and that sort of thing. And you see probably two or three more rate hikes. And then you might even lean on the the comments of one of the Fed governors, Bullard, today, who's why the market is off here at the close. He's saying, look, we may get to five and a half percent on the Fed funds rate and we may need more hikes and there may be a 50 basis points in March and all these sorts of things. You'd look at that and you'd say, wow, boy, tough time for equities. Mm. If you're a bull you see all the deceleration in the rate of change. Basically, we're headed the right direction in terms of inflation. And you observe that shelter, that's rents, it's cost of housing, has gone up a lot. But if you look at the Zillow figures going forward, you look at what's likely to happen over the next six to 12 months, it's going to peel off a lot. Mm. And, so and shelter is a big part of CPI, right? It takes up a big part. It's about 
of CPI that's up from 43%. And it's because, of course, it's a big part of everybody's budget on a monthly basis. But we know when we look at the figures from people like Zillow in the US, and you advance them by 10, 12 months, we know that rents have peaked and are coming down. So markets are about the future, not about the present. So what the bulls would point to is, well, look, we've already peaked in terms of this figure. Everything from now is deceleration in Mm -hmm. CPI, making it less likely that the Fed needs to lean in even harder. That is, we're at the end of this tightening cycle, not at the beginning. And they'd say, well, that's going to eventually be bullish for the amount of liquidity in the system. And eventually we're going to get this big rate cut because we'll go into a recession. And that's, of course. And where do you sit in that spectrum between bulls? I really struggle. I'm going to come back to my first point. I look at the factors influencing the Fed, both what they say and what they've been doing. I look at the data and I look at the two-year U.S. bond and I look at going from 4% to 4.6%. And I say to myself, well, how can we be in a bull market? Mm. Well, we can be in a bull market simply because, well, we're not in a bear market, right? So this doesn't mean that the S&P 500 returns are about to take off from here explosively in the next two weeks. It means that you're not going to make any money being short Mm. structurally, right? Unless there's a big new piece of information. It's a, I call it a buy the dips mentality versus a, what we call short the rips. And the reason for that is that markets have begun to, in my view, they've begun to accommodate for this new paradigm, okay? This new paradigm that says recession, there's 100% likelihood on every measure that you can possibly look at. It's coming and barring major new information, we're going to get this slowdown and stocks have largely accommodated for that. And so with that backdrop, it's tempting to say, well, I shouldn't own any equities. Right? Mm. I shouldn't own any equities. But at the end of the day, it's just, it doesn't really work like that. When you look at what happens to the buildup of cash, even if a lot of that cash is going into short-term credit, folks end up underweight equities pretty quickly and they need to reallocate, Though that being both retail and institutionally. And so long as they're not completely petrified of the future, there is a weight of capital that comes to the market. Mm-hmm. So overall, we've got sentiment indicators. We've come out of this bear phase. I'm into a pick your spots and buy the dips. Don't FOMO. Don't worry, you've missed it because you haven't. Don't think that you're going to make a ton of money now shorting stocks because at the end of the day, that was the 2022 story. The Mm. 2023, 2024 story is going to be, again, barring a major new event, is going to be about where do I start allocating more risk bucket over the next six months? Mm. Mm. So if you look at measures of likely return based on past paradigms, we are likely to see some kind of pullback could be to 3,800, you know, we can't be too perfect. And it could happen over the next two or three days or a week or so. Mm. But don't be thinking, oh my goodness, it's all going to zero based on what we currently know. Now, let me just give you a couple of little snippets 
that both support this view, present some caution, and so forth. Mm, please. So a couple of things to think about. So the first thing is, there's been a lot of really positive retail data out lately, but the consumer is probably at the end of their spending tether. Okay, mm-hmm. this is this is probably positive for where the Fed's going to go because I think you're going to see deceleration in spending over the next 12 months. Higher rents, higher mortgages, the impact of actual price increases that have taken place, savings rates have declined, credit cards are starting to max out again. We're going to see a deceleration in spending. The Fed's going to be happy about that, Mm -hmm. right? That's a good news story in terms of where the peak of Fed funds is. But it's not going to be good for every stock, right? There are going to be plenty of companies that struggle with that. The other thing... And this is a little bit, we're going to put this in the woo-woo category. It's not quite UFOs over Canada or anything like that, but it's Japan. Okay. It's Japan and it's Japanese inflation and maybe energy. So Japan imports oil, mm-hmm. part of their major oil importer. Oil prices are basically at the long-term average. I can kind of make the case both ways for oil here, right? Both down to 65 and actually making a run to 100. People are very underweight oil at the moment, which means, you know, we sort of are in a spot where you could see an inflection. And if we see an increase in Japanese inflation, we could see, we've got a new governor, Bank of Japan, we could see a release of curve control in Japan. If that were to happen, the repatriation of capital by Japanese investors and banks back to Japan would be substantial Mm -hmm. and it would begin to drain liquidity globally. So you can think about it, liquidity being drained by the Fed and the ECB on the one side, liquidity being injected in China in in part and certainly in Japan because they've got yield curve control. At the end of the day, there's a lot of cheap liquidity there. Mm. If that shifts and probably energy is the most likely shift, that's going to be a major catalyst for what call regime change. But it's an unknowable. I mean, I can't predict the price of oil. I can't predict what a new Japanese governor would do. Mm. But when we begin to see these things, again, we go back to our truths. We need to be have a heightened awareness mm-hmm. for what the possibilities might be. And they could have multiple derivative possibilities. So those are the things. Let's summarize, though, the view. So you're going to be today, in my view, 25% allocated to equities relative to your basket. You're not going to be shorting stocks. You're not going to be worrying you missed Bitcoin or you missed mm-hmm. you know, the rally in Shopify or mm-hmm. whatever. You're going to be looking for opportunities to keep allocating long, mm-hmm. barring major new information. Talk about the Australian dollar, which I love. We're going to go risk off here for a little while in the short term. So I'm not too worried about where where we're at the moment. I think you just buy it somewhere in the 68 cent area. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think the big picture for Australia is very positive. And 80 cent Australian dollar this year, you know, it's possible. Now there were some weaker unemployment numbers. People of Australian bonds seem to be rallying a little, coming down in yield. Let's see. But at the end of the day, I think very constructive on Aussie dollar as a, mm-hmm. as, a, as a long-term trade. What do these results suggest for the next maybe FOMC and what the Feds are going to do? Any indications there? 
the next FOMC meetings in March, mm-hmm. they've gone from 75 basis points to sort of down to this 25 basis point. Barring a major, a major CPI print, which they will get before their March meeting, mm-hmm. I think there are another 25 basis points. If they were to go 50, it would really be because we're seeing something in terms of easing of financial conditions, something in terms of the underlying trends in the economy that are just so diametrically different to what the trend is here. Because remember, they're thinking about the long term, not about they monitor numbers month to month, but they're really thinking about the long term. And remember, monetary policy works with a lag, right? That's what Powell says. Everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. You don't just increase rates and everything changes next week. It does, the market acts like that, but it's not what happens. So they're just continuing to sort of prod here. My view is they go 25 in March. And then I think that they probably go another 25 mm-hmm. somewhere through to June because I don't think they're quite done yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there will be enough slowing in the US economy to give them confidence that inflation is returning to 2%, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's one thing to take it from 9% to six or six and a half. It's another thing to go from six to two. You, mm-hmm. There's still a lot of work to do, right? There's a lot of work to do in time. You need time to do that work. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they want to ease off too quickly there before they're convinced they're back at a at a sustainable stable, low level of inflation. Yeah. Great, Gavin. It's always good to hear your insights. We covered a lot in a very short amount of time. Thank you, Gavin, again. This is tomorrow's news and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Lucy. 